A popular outcast production. Harry Potter. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening to Portable Power, the internet's, well, drunkest video games podcast. My name is Mark Matters, and I'm here with Kevin Seibert and Emmer Smith. All right, guys. Well, um, today's date is February 1st that you're listening to it. Uh, it's actually date of recording, Sunday, January 26th. Emrys, how's it going? Pretty good. Um, question of the week. What's the best Nine Inch Nails record? The best Nine Inch Nails record? Yeah. I'm going to have to go with Year Zero. Oh, wow. I know. For me, that record, it was the first one that came out right when I started listening to Nine Inch Nails in a serious way. Okay. So it sort of opened the door for me to the world of Nine Inch Nails, and I think it's just a really tight-themed um, album. I think it's a concept album, yeah. and it executes pretty well. Nice. And just, there's some of, some of my favorite, like, riffs are on that album. It's just, it's got some good, exciting songs. It's probably not the best objectively, mm-hmm. but for me... It's the one I always think of. Are you drinking tonight? No, I ha- I'm just drinking water. Okay. I've taken an oath of sobriety. Yeah. So, uh, I, n- I don't know if you've been playing many video games, but I do know that you were just playing D&D. Yes. We actually use Google Hangouts to... It has a dice program with, like, a, a tabletop that we can all see. Oh, wow. So, we act- it's actually not Dungeons & Dragons that we've been playing. Okay. It's a different system called Dungeon Crawler Classics. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And um, the way it works is that you all start out as zero-level civilians. You're like peasants with garbage stats. And then you you just die. Like, your characters will just get eaten by monsters. So you start out with four of them. And then you, like, rescue other people. And they, like, join your party. So you have more of these, like, mooks that just get trampled by grim death it's a lot of fun it's called character funneling so the idea is that you'll get to the end of the adventure and only like four people will survive and then those people are the um the characters that you play with from then on that sounds like a lot of fun yeah it's really good well kevin uh similar question but i'm gonna i'm gonna rephrase it what's the best weezer album keeping in mind there is a correct answer pinkerton yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. you got it. Yeah, that's 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 an easy one. Fair enough. Uh, are you drinking this evening? I am. I'm drinking um, the Macallan 12-year single malt scotch. Ooh, scotchy scotch. Yeah, this is probably... Uh, I mean, I'm not extremely well-versed in scotch, but it's definitely the best I've had so far. The flavor's kind of... On the box is described as um, deliciously smooth, rich dried fruit and sherry, balanced with wood smoke and spice. I can deal with that. Which, you know, most of those things individually I would not want to consume, mm-hmm. but when you put it in a beverage and add a high alcohol content, sure. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I had a bottle of Macallan 12 year for a while. I managed to make it last 12 whole months. Wow. That's before I finished it off. That's respectable. Yeah, I was proud. This isn't going to make it a year. Yeah. No. Well, Kevin, Kevin <laughs> what do you play in these days? I really haven't been playing a whole lot, except for the uh, couple things I did for this episode. All right, we can talk about those later. So, Mark, I don't know your favorite band, so I'm not sure what question to ask you. So I'm going to ask, what's your favorite band, and what's their best album? Good gravy. Okay, um, my favorite band in the world is Strung Out. They're a punk band from Southern California. Their best album... Okay, their best release is an eight-song EP that they put out in 2000 called The Element of Sonic Defiance. Cool. There you go. (laughs) And uh, are you drinking tonight? Yeah, I'm popping open a Peak Organic IPA. This is um, out of Portland, Maine, and I've had it before. It's actually really good, a really nice IPA, if you're into that kind of thing, if you like your hops. Is it uh, one of those, like, the hops bitterness gives it kind of like a a citrus flavor? Yeah, it's... it's, um, yeah, it is. It's it's pretty um like grapefruity. Not a lot of pine in there. Sometimes you get that pine kind of flavor in IPA, but yeah, I'd say it's mostly citrus. That's what I tend to prefer out of an IPA to to the pine. And uh what are you playing? Uh well, I got two for you this evening. Um the first being Wonderful 101 for Wii U. 
and I'm about three hours into that, and it is spectacular. I mean, this is, um, I think this is sort of the progression of, like, arcade brawlers. You know, all the games I loved playing in the arcade in, like, the, the 90s, like, um, there was an Alien vs. Predator, there was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, uh, even, like, The Simpsons, like, those side-scrolling brawlers. But this, this isn't side-scrolling, but it's sort of an evolution of that, and it's just insane. It's completely ridiculous. Uh, yesterday I was on a level where a city was being attacked by a giant robot, and so I'm running away from this giant robot, running across the ruins he's creating. So I'm actually on the side of a building as it's collapsing, and this giant robot is throwing another building at me. And it was just so insane and so much fun. I really need to start that game. I, I've had it now for a couple of weeks, and I just haven't had a chance to pop it in yet. There's a steep learning curve, but um, if you can keep at it till you get the whip ability... I think that's when the game really starts to get good. So you like whipping? Yeah, whip it good, baby. <laughs> the other game I'm playing is Project M, which is a mod for um, Super Smash Bros. Brawl for the Wii. And it is really well done. This is 100% free, fan-created. Um, it's a soft mod, so all you have to do is put the files on your SD card and load it into the game. You don't have to do anything to your Wii. And they completely like rebalanced and polish the gameplay it's it's like faster than brawl the characters are better balanced they added alternate costumes you could be dry bowser you can be um boxer donkey kong from the punch out wii game um dr mario and there's even two new characters roy and mewtwo from melee um tons of new stages they rebalanced old stages so they're like, they took out all the moving stages and made them stationary, and a lot of work and a lot of love went into this game, and it's really awesome. Cool. The other game I'm playing, uh, which I will transition into our first review, is Order and Chaos Duels for iOS. Yeah, I'm also playing that. I'm unable to play it because of my Androidness. I had just changed the phone and I secured an Android so that I could do reviews for the podcast and then there everyone was like, <laughs> we're playing this game on iOS. You won't feel so bad in a few moments. Yeah, but you wouldn't have gotten an iPhone anyway. No, I wouldn't have. But <laughs> by the end of this review, you won't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's foreboding. This is a game... A game loft game, you know, they're some of the big mobile gaming giants, and it's free on the App Store, which is very appealing, because it's, it's a very polished game, it's very pretty. I'll give you a little history on the Order and Chaos series. Basically, this series is constantly biting at, like, Blizzard's heels. The first game Game Loft put out in the Order and Chaos series was an MMO, and it was a competent MMO, and I played it for about a whole two weeks. It just turned out that, you know, doing all the early, like, BS quests that plague a lot of these games are even worse when you have just this terrible control scheme. Oh, so like Monster Hunter. Moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they also made a MOBA, uh, which I haven't played, but it's you know clearly a uh, League of Legends ripoff, I suppose. So now they have this game, which is an obvious Hearthstone uh, ripoff. I'm thinking of reviewing that MOBA game, actually. It looks like it's Heroes of Order and Chaos. Yeah, if, if they uh, if they make it for Android, definitely check that out, because I'd be interested in hearing about it. Yeah, it's free, too, so I, I think I'll do that. Order and Chaos Duels is a CCG. Um, I guess collectible card game is what that means. Right. Okay, um, so it's kind of like Magic the Gathering, and I think Kevin can, can better explain the ins and outs of this kind of thing. Uh, well, the premise is that you obtain cards through booster packs, and you use these cards to add to your collection and create a more powerful deck, usually with a set strategy that you're trying to work towards for victory. And, you know, every CCG has different victory conditions, but in the case of um, Order and Duels... I can't even remember what the name of the game is. <laughs> um, it's Order and Chaos Duels, because I just found it on the Play Store. Okay. We did not do our homework on this one. Well, the the goal is you have it's it's a lane based CCG where you have six lanes and you deploy minions using mana that you generate each turn 
to um, attack your opponent. The goal is to deplete all of your opponent's hit points. Each minion is different. They have different attacks, different um, numbers of hit points, and different skills. Mm -hmm. You can sacrifice a card to permanently increase your mana per turn by one, and that increases your ability to do more per turn, but it also, you know, in the short term, it handicaps you a little bit, so it's kind of a trade-off in terms of yeah. strategy. So, is this game a lot different from any other CCG? Uh, I mean, I haven't played a lot of CCGs. Like, every CCG I've played has been pretty different. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I played the Star Wars CCG in the um, mid-90s really heavily. Yeah. I also played Marvel's Overpower CCG, which was a really awful game. <laughs> um, and so really this is only my third CCG it's just like yeah it's just that I played Star Wars so much that I mean it sets a standard or yeah well, I, Star Wars was a much better game than Order and Chaos well I mean the good things about it it looks really good I, I think that the cards have really nice art on them and some of the cards um, sort of like how Emrys was describing Hearthstone have a little bit of animation to them like maybe mm -hmm. there's like lightning shimmering or like water moving or something like that. I found the I the the art was competent, but yeah. I didn't find it to have a, a style that really set it apart in any kind of way. Other good things about it, it's got a one player story mode and I enjoyed it. It's just about the right level of challenge. I never felt never felt like it was necessary to microtransaction my enemies into submission. You know, by purchasing better cards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, all the cards I got from my few victories seemed enough to get me by. Another good thing is that it has multiplayer, both live and asynchronous. So you can battle it out against random opponents. But the stupid thing about this game and the reason Kevin and I are going to be complaining about it is um, you can only play random. You can't play against your friends. You know, it, it relegates the social portion of the game to just basically leaderboards and Comparing penis sizes. Yeah. That's really it. Yeah, I really have no interest in playing this game against people that I don't know. Like, yeah. I just, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't seem, like, for, I'm willing to do that with other games, but for some reason it doesn't interest me with a CCG. Yeah. Because part of the fun of a CCG is, like, well, this is also something you can't do. Like, you can't trade cards. You can't really converse with people about strategies. I, I mean, I guess right. you can if you, like, go on the internet, but, like, I want to do it with my mm -hmm. friends, not with some jackass. Right. Or I want to do it with my friend that is a jackass, you know? But... <laughs> <Yeah>. Who's that? <laughs> Any of us. Um, so, I don't know. It's it's worth playing, I think, for the gameplay and the production values, but without the ability to play against the specific two friends that I have on my friends list, um, my excitement for this game, it's already weaning, I foresee its deletion in the very near future. Yeah, I'm not going to stick with it a whole lot longer, because the other thing is, like like I said, one of the things I enjoy about CCGs is like adding new cards and customizing my deck, but so far I haven't really had to do any customization. It's just, oh, I got a new card, I just add it to my deck, and the new cards come so infrequently that I haven't actually customized my deck once. Oh, really? I did a bunch. No, I just... Well, like they, they give you additional card slots, right? and... I never had to take anything out to oh, put okay. a new card in, so like, there's no customization. It's just... Yeah. Well, I'm going to try Soulforge next. It's another CCG, and I played a little bit of, little bit of it today. And even though it's not as sleek or even user-friendly as Order and Chaos Duels, it actually allows you to play people on your friends list. Whoa, so crazy. If I, if, if I enjoy the game one player enough, I'm, I'm going to try to get you guys and, and Jeff to try to play with with me. Yeah, that'd be cool. I've actually played it on Steam. Oh. So yeah, I um, I have an account already. Awesome. Um, I don't think they have a, a portable app for Android yet. But... Well, yeah. Well, hopefully there's cross-platform play. I don't know. I'll look it yeah. up. Yeah. All right. Well, Kevin, you have a review for us here. I do. Let's hear about this. Well, the game I'm reviewing is Shadowblade, which is an iOS game. It's developed by Dead Mage and published by Crescent Moon Games, and it's $1.99 on the App Store. You play as a ninja, and you're trying to prevent the rise of a rival clan. That's about as deep as the story gets, but it doesn't really need more <laughs> than that, because the gameplay is uninterrupted that way by 
what's frequently, you know, terrible stories in a lot of mobile games. Yeah. Um, so I, I appreciated that. The gameplay consists of a lot of old-school-style platforming with a touch of action thrown in. It's very fast-paced, and timing is everything. Levels are short, which is perfect for a mobile game, because you can complete a level pretty quickly. Um, it, it grades you based on your performance. Um, you can get up to three stars per level, and one of the stars you can only earn by completing the level in a minute or less. Oh, wow. So that's, you know, how, how fast-paced it is, and that's actually a really tough thing to do. Like, I was frequently completing levels in, like, two minutes. The other two stars are for, um, every level has two hidden kanji symbols in it, um, kind of like Super Mario's star coins. Yeah. And there are also a bunch of little light dots throughout the level that you have to collect all of to get the other star. So, when you add in two kanji symbols that are hidden, all of the light dots, it varies depending on level, I think, and completing it in less than a minute to get all three stars... And you can't earn them separately. Like, it has to be done on one playthrough of the level. So it gets pretty tough. Wow. Like, I I didn't get three stars on most of the levels. The game's divided into chapters, and each chapter has, like, levels. You know, like I, a certain number of levels to it. The last level of every chapter is just this giant fight with a bunch of enemies at the same time. And <laughs> you have to be tricky to destroy all of them using, like, platforms that are in the in the room and you know, your different acrobatic maneuvers to get around them and, like, dive and dash through them with your sword, and it's, it's, a, lo- it's a lot of fun. You have to be clever. You can't just button mash. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go into the, uh, the positives of the game. The art direction perfectly captures the feel of the ninja theme. Uh, the animation and art direction is very appealing. The violence is completely over the top. Like, enemies perish in, like, this bloody arterial spray and a death gurgle, and it's just... <laughs> I don't know. It's really satisfying. Um, That's nice. Yeah, like, the, the arterial it, spray is just completely over the top. <laughs> I've only seen a little bit about this game. Is it hand-drawn, or is it um, 3D modeled? It's hand-drawn. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Cool. Um, the sound design is also very strong. The, the music sounds, ver- you know, like it belongs in a ninja action story. The sword slashes mm-hmm. are convincing, and like I said, the death gurgle, and like the sound of the blood spraying is, <laughs> you know, it really makes you feel good about killing these guys. Nice. So, you know, it's kind of psychopathic a little bit, but in a good way. Uh, another good thing is the controls. Uh, the gesture and button-based controls are both really good. Gesturing is fun, and it's very responsive, but I found myself preferring the traditional button scheme, more like okay. uh, an NES controller. Yeah. The ninja has a variety of different moves you can perform, so you're not just, you know, swiping with your sword. You can do things like double jumps, air dashes... Um, jumping and falling down out of the sky with your sword and slashing enemies from above. And if you properly time your attacks, you'll execute enemies much more quickly, which helps you come in under a minute on each level. The gameplay feels a lot like a uh, much faster-paced Ninja Gaiden for the NES. Wall jumping is effortless. Slicing your enemy apart always feels good. Yeah, you you kind of feel like a badass when you're playing it. I'm surprised, given that it's, you know, touchscreen controls for this, this type of game. Yeah, it's, you know... It's I, forgiving? It's not even that it's forgiving, it's that it's precise. Okay. Like, it's responsive. I, I don't know, I mean, I don't know enough about, you know, development of control schemes or anything to really say what causes that, but I never found myself battling with the game's controls like I did with Mega Man X or, you know, other similar style, like, platform games. There are a couple of... I can't even really call them down points, it's just more warnings. It's optimized for iPhone 5, and it was a little hard to play it on a 4. Uh, I had some pretty serious frame rate issues from time to time in the later levels when there was a lot going on on, on screen at the same time. Yeah. I, I could still play it, and it and the game never crashed. Like, it's still, you know, it, it went it went on through all of it, but there were times where I occasionally wouldn't see something that killed me. That's the unfortunate thing about Apple's supposed uh, planned obsolescence mm-hmm. is every year there's a new phone with a better processor and right. you know yeah. I have a 5s now and it's amazing but in you know nine months it's going to be the second best and I'll, I'm sure I'll already right out the gates see performance issues right with newer yeah. stuff. Yeah, so people who still have a 4, like, you'll be able to play the first chapter or so with very little problems, 
But once, you know, in the later chapters where, like, a lot of stuff starts going on at the same time, you're going to have a really tough time of it. The other the other thing is, Shadowblade actually makes me a little bit angry. <laughs> because I can see that iOS games don't have to be half-assed experiences that are only challenging due to awful controls. <laughs> this game is really good, and it makes me mad that Mega Man X was that awful. Yeah, that's disappointing. Yeah. But yeah, overall, like, I would say, you know, it... As long as you have an iPhone 5, like, this is, you know, impossible to not recommend. That's excellent. Yeah, thanks, Josh, for hooking us up with that. Definitely, yeah. I've been having a lot of fun with it. So, before we get into the our portable pass review that I'm actually really looking forward to... <laughs> Um, I have a game as well. <laughs> this is um, Chibi Robo Photo Finder for the Nintendo 3DS. It was released on January 9th of this year for $10 on the eShop only. I saw your Facebook post about this game, and I'm really interested in what the hell it's all about. Um, I feel like by the end of this review, you still won't know. <laughs> in this game, <laughs> which is the fourth in the Chibi Robo series, you play as a four-inch tall robot from the future, Tasked with traveling to modern times to photograph relics of the era, which they call nostalgunk. Why are you doing this? Well, there's this creepy old French dude who has you basically locked in his office, and he wants to open a nostalgunk museum to put your stuff, the you know, the players' real-life clothes, sporting goods, and toilet paper on display for the people of the future to <laughs> gawk at. Um, he's sort of obsessed with these relics of the past. So you'll achieve this goal by using the 3DS camera and very good lighting to take these um, specific pictures around your home. So yes, it's it's super weird. It's a very bizarre game, but there's also a lot of heart and soul to this too. Some people might consider this like a non-game though, as your focus is basically augmented reality picture-taking and basically cleaning up garbage in these different areas. So doing these tasks um, will earn you points, and then you'll unlock more film to take more pictures for the museum. Um, you also earn points by doing odd jobs for this surreal um, supporting cast of, let's see, there's an alien school bus driver and unambiguously gay condiment duo <laughs> and uh, a punk rock sh sushi chef squid, and a bear-shaped sponge that regurgitates vacuum bags. I need one of those in my house. <laughs> the, the odd jobs that they have you doing involve mostly like menial tasks. You'll be picking out ingredients for recipes, removing pests from a garden, playing hide-and-go-seek, or... Uh, estimating how long, say, nine inches is, which I think Emrys would be really good at. Um, <laughs> um, I'm not sure how well kids would do in this game without the power of Google in their hands. I don't know how many American children actually know the ingredients to a true carbonara. You can almost hear right now, as I'm sitting here, the collective shrieks of kids all over the world as they're experiencing the horror of... Ketchberg and Mustardin's ridicule. They'll, they'll, have you, they'll, they'll give you this recipe. Ketchup, uh, Ketchberg and Mustardin are the aforementioned uh, gay condiments. The condiment duo. And, yeah. yeah, they're ketchup and mustard. And they speak with really bad um, French accents. And they'll give you a recipe. Sometimes it's obscure stuff. And if you fail by even one ingredient... They give you these horrifying looks. I can't even, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the nightmarish. So none of the jobs that you're given are terribly challenging after, you, after you've done them once or twice, but they do have the chance of being kind of luck-based or random, which gets to be pretty annoying. Sometimes you just pick the wrong egg because maybe one of them is hard-boiled instead of normal. <laughs> Or you'll run out of battery life, because Chibi Robo has a limited charge, and he needs to be plugged back in frequently. And this also acts as the game's save feature. If you run too far without recharging at the hub world, you'll collapse. You'll lose your chance to complete that particular sequence. Uh, later in the game, battery expansions are unlockable, so you can go farther and do more stuff on, on one charge. So... 
taking pictures. Uh, sometimes it's awesome, and it'll take your image and render it into 3D, and then Chibi Robo will teleport in and interact with it, and it'll blow your mind. Then sometimes the game turns this like great photo into this like pitiful abomination of a, of a thing. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I had a picture of a GameCube that got 100% accuracy by the game's rating, but when, when it turned it into a 3D object, it was like this, this bastard nightmare horror show. <laughs> <laughs> this game is like the best argument for the 3DS needing a better camera and also my house to have just better lighting. Most of the photographs turned out grainy, blurry, it's only when I could really get in like full daylight did the pictures have any kind of like reasonable crispness or detail at all. You can trick the camera though. It's not terribly difficult. A quick search on your computer or your phone will get you'll get that picture of a bowling pin since um most people probably don't own one. I once even cheated by drawing a picture of a soft drink cup because <laughs> I, I I don't eat fast food, so I obviously wouldn't really have the chance to and I just drew it on a piece of paper and got a 70% rating nice. <laughs> for it. <laughs> it looks terrible in 3D, but yeah, there you go. Hands down, Chibi Robo has some of the best graphics I've seen on the 3DS, though. All the, like, the robots and, and mechanical characters have these great textures and like shiny reflective touches, and the environments are really detailed with these nice sort of depth of field effects. Um, combine that with really great 3D, and Nintendo has really set the bar high for um, 3DS graphics in 2014. My one complaint would be that some of the, like, I guess organic characters are a bit gamecube looking, like that French man that I told you about earlier. The little, little, I don't know, not very well rendered. Overall, the game does have potential to be a little tedious. You need a lot of points to unlock all the different types of film, and that means doing a lot of vacuuming over the, you know... I don't know, 10, 20 hours the game offers. That's pretty substantial for a $10 game. Yeah, yeah. I, I got 12 hours in, and I think about 75% through the game, and I stopped unlocking film, which is disappointing, and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I kind of got like upset with the game, and it just wanted me to vacuum and stuff for a while, so I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to do this. If you add in like the compulsion that some people have to get like perfect ratings and huge high scores, then I think you can even get more life out of this game, um, more so than you did in any of the Uncharted games anyway. But most of it in Chibi-Robo we spent lurking around in these mundane tasks. Mm. At the end of the day, I can sincerely recommend Chibi-Robo Photo Finder to 3DS owners looking for like weird niche gaming experiences, the likes that you don't see much of anymore. It has yeah. a, lot, a lot of charm, a lot of, not a lot of, but there's a few really heartwarming and even heartbreaking moments amidst all this weird, creepy, surreal crap with these horrifying characters that are thrown at you. So, I mean, if $10 isn't too much for you to risk on a game that you need to take a chance on, maybe, uh, I can recommend it. I think it's pretty good. I just, like I said, I only... Cool. I couldn't finish it because I, I didn't know what to do. But it's 10 bucks. Come on. Yeah, I, th I, think, I, uh, I think I might end up picking that up. It sounds really cool. If nothing else, is it's pretty. That's interesting that it got aimless... Well, aimless for me, because, like, there's, like, you're constantly given tasks, you'll get these emails, it's like, okay, come do this for me, and you go do this little odd job, and then I stopped getting, I didn't have any emails for work, I don't have any new film to take pictures of new items with, and yet I still have to fill up two more rooms in the museum, and I'm just not sure what to do. So I got a little frustrated and quit for a couple days. Yeah. But I'm sure I'll go back to it. It sounds like the kind of game that you're supposed to play like half hour here, half hour there over the course of time. That's probably better than the two to three hours I do at a time. <laughs> when I <didn't> play. <laughs> so that's maybe why it got a little tedious for me. I, I even th I, like, I really want to see how the story pans out because it seems to be may I don't know. I haven't finished it, but it seems to be a bit of a um, metaphor on just sort of materialism maybe. Yeah. And that, that's where the game kind of gets a, uh, just a little heavy, not super bad because the guy running the museum, he, he starts to like kind of like break down and like feels like no one appreciates his stuff. But to me, I'm like, well, it's just stupid shit. Like, who cares? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's a it's a roll of toilet paper. Like, come on. They don't they don't need toilet paper in the future. Do people just not have butts? <laughs> <laughs> or well, I, I guess no he's idea. French. They probably just have bidets widespread everywhere. Funny you mention it. Um, 
there's a every once in a while you'll take a picture of something and the game will give it like a face mm-hmm. and a and a voice. <laughs> so like I had an egg that talks and has eyes and a really 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 long tongue and creeps the crap out of me. <laughs> but there's like when you take a picture of I think it's a can at one point in the game, a oh, can of soda um, or can of beer if you're me. Mm-hmm. Um, the game gave it eyes and a, and a mouth and stuff, but in the in the Japanese release, it actually has a butt. So. <laughs> They edited it out for the American version. It reminds me of um, a book. It's like a an illustrated book called The Motel of the Mysteries. Hmm. And the premise is that archaeologists in the future unearth like a regular ass suburban motel. And they have like the images are all these archaeological like arrangements of the altar where people worship and it's like the television on the desk, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then the guy, like, wears the toilet lid around his head as, like, a ceremonial headdress. That's pretty before funny. Before the ceramic altar, you know? Yeah. Some of the stuff in Chibi-Robo is given the description sort of along those lines. Like, at one point, um, the GameCube. They're like, this thing has a handle. I guess people carried it around everywhere they went or something like that. I did. <laughs> yeah, that thing was nice. Yeah. I, I That was, I mean... I took that to a lot of people's houses for some Mario Kart and Smash Brothers. Yeah. Well, speaking of old school gaming, Emrys has a review for us by request from listener Daniel. I have to say that I am really excited for this review, especially after um, <laughs> after last night. Well, last night was Mike's No Mike open mic, and we ended up being out until like four in the morning four, yeah. with oh Dylan and Justin from the Serving Ice podcast, and Emrys went on this long tirade about I Harry Potter <laughs> and Dementors, and we basically sound like a bunch of crazy people in the Lewisburg sheets. Yeah. <laughs> You're at four in the morning hanging out at a Seven Eleven, basically? Yeah, pretty much. Yes. They have a sit-down eating place, so... Okay. They had tables and chairs. So going into this, what, what were your feelings on Harry Potter before you played the game? Well, I have mixed feelings about Harry Potter, which are well-known amongst people who know me. Because I tend to go on Harry Potter tears at the drop of a hat. <laughs> the the thrust of the conversation last night revolved around whether Dementors were actual like evil creatures who should have been curbed. Because I was upset that the wizards were just like using them when they're clearly evil and should just be destroyed. And the other guy was like, what if they're just... You know, apex predators like polar bears. What if they're just naturally occurring animals that, you know, happen to feast on torment? <laughs> we, we, we remain undetermined about okay. the nature of Dementors, but it was enough to confuse me. Yeah. Which, <laughs> that's how serious these people were. So, I have a history with Harry Potter. Okay. I want, for the purpose of the podcast, I want to keep some of my Harry Potter feelings out but uh-huh. I know you guys are going to bait me into an argument, so <laughs> I'm I'm definitely going to get baited in. When we received the request for this review, I was like, I am not doing this. I yeah. detest Harry Potter. I've never read the books. I saw one and a half oh. movies. The second one was so bad, I did not finish watching it. And so I think it is the worst thing ever. So you hate Harry Potter even more than I do. Oh, it's terrible. I enjoy Harry Potter. I don't think it's written particularly well, but, you know, it's a cute story. I don't know. It doesn't bother me. Well, we're talking about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets for the Game Boy Color today, right? Yes. Yes. All right. Let's hear about it. So, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets was an oddball release. It was one of the last games released for the Game Boy Color. And it was released in parallel with, like, a PlayStation, like, a GameCube game, a Game Boy Advance game. And they were all action games, which I feel is a better choice for a Harry Potter game than the role-playing game that Chamber of Secrets for the Game Boy Color was. Hmm. Alright, let me let me get let me get some of the positives out of the way first. <laughs> okay. So I'll feel less like a dick when I start to unfurl my my wrath. 
Um, the game had good art. Uh, you could, the characters were um, the characters were well designed. So they looked like they looked like the characters from the movie or in the books that you know and love. You know, you can tell oh that's Hermione, that's Draco. Like I get it. Hagrid looked good, and you know Dumbledore looked good, and they all they were all good considering the limitations of the Game Boy Color. You say they looked good, but was that just because they were on the other side of a dark bar and you'd had a couple beers? <laughs> no, I mean they were like it was a bit art. It was good. The music was like chiptune stuff that was probably passable. It did not move me to tears like the Ballad of the Windfish. <laughs> oh. uh, and it got kind of tedious after a while for reasons that I'll get into. The sound effects were passable. It was just like a passable game. You know, I wasn't offended by any of its presentation or execution. Yeah. From like the art or music or whatever standpoint, it didn't it didn't make my eyes or ears bleed, <laughs> and for that I'm thankful. The gameplay is effectively Final Fantasy, like classic Final Fantasy game cloned. It's just you've got your your characters all take a turn, and you can choose their action, and they have magic points and hit points. You know, so far everything about this game sounds all right. Yeah. It... So. It could have been all right, but it just isn't. <laughs> and the big problem is that it's Final Fantasy stapled onto the Harry Potter story. So it sticks to the book. If you read the book, then you pretty much know what will happen. And if you've read any Harry Potter books, you know that about 50% of the book is spent going to class. Which is, is cool when you're, you're talking about a, a school a novel set in a school, classes are going to be a big part of it. But when you're playing a game, you don't want to be going to class. <laughs> so that translates to the game. Yeah. Do you have to, like, get criticals to, like, pass your tests and stuff like that? No. Oh, okay. 90% of the game is just walking around. So, all right, I, I, I want to start with my very first biggest problem with the game, and this, I think, would have changed the whole game for me which is that they have magic points, which is basically like mana. So you cast a spell, it costs a certain amount of magic points, and when you run out, then you can only cast this one zero-cost spell, which was basically like sneeze. I didn't bother to memorize the names of the spells. I just There was a red one, a green one, the sneeze one, and then a fire one. <laughs> the vermilion, fertile, ver I can't remember. So, then the zero-cost sneeze one, it doesn't do any damage, right? Why are these, like, wizards who are unlimited, basically, in their spellcasting in the books? Why am I limited by how many spells I can cast? Well, that's canonical, because that's the reason Voldemort lost at the end to Harry. He ran out of magic points. All right, well, I don't even want to discuss that, because it makes no sense to me. <laughs> so, this continues the entire game, all right? Because, like, in order to level up a spell, you just use it, like, 25 times, and then you get a one that's stronger and more expensive. So you're just, you just never have enough magic points to do anything. So getting into combat is a huge drag, which is the opposite of like what you want it to be. Yeah. You know, it's just totally unrewarding to get into a fight because you end up using all of your spells and then you have to like drink pepper up potions or whatever to get your magic magic back. So you walk around the landscape and like little monsters will appear on the field, and if you run into them, then you have an encounter. Like Final Fantasy X. Right. So it was actually, it's actually really easy to avoid getting into fights, um, and you can just flee. So over the course of the game, I played for four and a half hours, hmm. and I got more than 50% of the way through reading a walkthrough. And I probably only had like 20 fights that I actually did that weren't mandatory. So you're, I was way under-leveled. I'm sure yeah. I was way under-leveled. For any of the boss fights, I'm sure you were, yeah. Yeah. And there's no punishment for dying, which is good, because otherwise the game would be interminably boring. So I didn't like the combat at all. You're, you only get really three characters, Ron, Harry, and Hermione, which makes sense. And they have a special ability. Like, Ron has scabbers, and so you can send scabbers to do something like steal a potion, you know. What's a scabber? Scabbers is Ron's pet rat. Ah. So he throws his rat. He's his pet really rat. gross and, you know, has germs and stuff. And, spoiler alert, is actually a magical wizard himself. Oh, yeah, I forgot he was Peter Pettigrew. 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, but, and then Hermione. Okay, Hermione's special power is to literally lecture you. And it will, like, increase your <laughs> defenses. She'll, like, she'll wag her finger at you. And your defenses will go up, which is totally invisible. It doesn't look. It looks like it does nothing. Like I actually couldn't figure out what it did. I, I this is why I went to a guide online. Hermione would lecture you, and nothing would happen. So I was like, "What the hell is going on?" And then Harry Potter has his special ability is called a card combo attack, and I got really excited about the card combo system at the beginning of the game. It's like, oh, you have these two decks. Pick one of these decks to take with you. And I was like, oh, deck building. Nice. Collecting shit. I love that stuff. Yeah. I love collecting shit. <laughs> and, like, finding combos and trying to experiment. And none of that stuff is how it works. Mm. So what happens is you walk around and you click A on, like, every surface in the game. Trying to find hidden stuff in the walls, you know, like... And so you'll find, like, a potion, and you'll find, like, these wizard and witchcraft cards. Famous wizards and witches. And they just go into your card inventory. And then you can't actually, like, experiment and, like, try to come up with your own combos. Instead, you have to find them throughout the world by doing quests and exploring. And they're, then they're, like, predetermined combos? Yeah. Okay. And the real kicker is, okay... That when you use a card attack combo, the cards that make up of it disappear. Like, what? they burn up. What? Yeah. So, you're actually, like, you're actually consuming your resources in order to do this stuff. Which makes you not want to do it. So, it, it, it <laughs> never, ever comes back. Like, there's no way you can even pay money to get the same card back from, like, a store. There are stores that sell the cards, but it doesn't tell you what card you're buying. <laughs> so, as far as I can tell, the only way to replenish your card store is to just buy, like, 50 cards at once. Oh my gosh. Which, I guess, I mean, I guess that's cool. Like, no. I guess that's how <laughs> card collecting works. But it's not okay, a fine. game mechanic. It's right. like It's like a simulation of being a shitty teenager. <laughs> <laughs> and so... So I never explored the card, even though they're really powerful abilities, I just never used the card attack mechanic, which I'm sure is the only reason why Daniel recommended this game to me. Like, I have a feeling that's where all of the pow like, the specialness of this game is, in that card attack system. Uh -huh. But lord help me, I just could not find any reason to use it. That sucks. So, let me, let me describe the gameplay for you. So, right, 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 I already told you how I was avoiding getting into fights, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it uses up your resources, and it's basically, you just cast the same powerful spells over and over again until you kill the monster, right? And you, you have a, a scanning spell, so you can learn if the monster's weak to certain stuff. Still has, like, vulnerabilities, and you just exploit the vulnerability by using that spell. Right. And you just keep using it until they die, or until you run out of magic points. And so that's all combat really is. There are, like, there are other spells that are really expensive that you learn by playing through the plot. Like, there's four elemental spells. It's, like, red, green, blue, and fire. Fire isn't red? No. It's blue. Of course. <laughs> The, they, they had really silly names. Like, they had silly Harry Potter names, you know, yeah. like Vermilius or something. And I didn't bother memorizing them. But then there was, like, another tier of spells that were crazy. So, like, the red spell, the basic red spell costs three magic points. The, base, the most expensive basic spell costs six. Then there were, like, spells that was mucus yeah. ad nauseum. Mucus <laughs> ad nauseum. It's the only one I remember because it's actually a good name. It costs 20! 20, 20 magic points to cast. That's obscene. It had better do something goddamn impressive, right? <laughs> it poisons them. Oh. They just take reoccurring damage. That's from usually poison. a really low level like spell you learn early on in any other RPG. Yeah, like Final Fantasy. Right. This game, this Harry Potter game, really, really made me want to play Final Fantasy VI again. 
There you go. And I was thinking about why Final Fantasy VI is so superior. I I have I didn't get the chance to play it before the review, so I couldn't make a direct comparison. But this mm. game was a pale shadow of Final Fantasy games. Mm-hmm. All right. So combat, as I've described, is frustrating and expensive. So you just want to avoid it, and then you go through the story, which is just a book. You know, you like get your owl, and you get in the car, and you fly after the train, and there's the Whomping Willow, which is like the first boss fight, I guess? And you just cast your red spell on the tree until it dies, because <laughs> because it's a tree. So you, the <laughs> one that looks kind of like fire, you just cast that one on it. I thought fire was blue. No, the, yeah, the fire is blue, but at that point you have a red one, and you think it's a fire spell, but oh. it's not. It's a vermilious. Well, I don't even know what that means. I don't know either. What about vermicelli? <laughs> that's a spaghetti or a kind of worm, maybe. It's a it's a <laughs> pasta, I think. You just yeah. yeah, you're just throwing pasta against the tree to find out if it's al dente yet. <laughs> uh, right. So I did what I could to set the whomping willow on fire, and I killed it. Oh, you know what? Before I get into that, let me let's talk about let's talk about Nocturne Alley, okay? Because there's some weird shit that goes down in Nocturne Alley. Sounds like it. I thought I was going to have to make up all of the, like, perversions in this game, but no, some of them are right there. Because the <laughs> first time, you, the fr- when you wake up in Nocturne Alley, you, like, use the flu powder and you mispronounce diagonally. God, it hurts <laughs> to say that stuff. You go to Nocturne Alley, and then the first NPC that you get to talk to there is like, hey, I could make a lot of money selling you. Oh, he, like, wow. literally offers you into sexual slavery. That's what he wants. Wow. And then you get killed by a rat. <laughs> you, you, you like, walk around Nocturne Alley trying to get out, and then you get into a fight, and it's stronger than you are, and you just get beaten by a rat, and then Hagrid rescues you. But it's not the ginger's rat. No. Okay. And, all right, so you, the very first, like, area where you get into combat is actually the Weasley's house. And he warns you, he's like, yeah, there's, like, my dad likes to cast spells on shit, and there's all kinds of enchanted shit lying around my house. Doesn't he work for the Ministry of Magic? Yes. So, like, he's supposed to be enforcing people not doing that, right? Specifically, yes, that's his job. I like to think he comes home from work drunk. He's just, like, <laughs> sitting on the couch, shooting he's stuff with his, his wand. wand in yeah. one hand and, like, a 40 of old style in the other one. <laughs> Well, he's got that many kids, he has to drink pretty heavily. <laughs> anyway, so you, like, you like go up the stairs, and suddenly, like, vacuum cleaners and shit are attacking you. Yeah. And if you go out in the, in the garden, you get attacked by garden hose, and you get up into the attic, and there's a fucking ghoul in the Weasley's attic. Ugh. Which, I don't know if that was in the books, but it was awful. There's, like, literally a mummified dead person in the Weasley's <laughs> attic. He's like, give me my chains. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> so the very first thing I tried to do in the game was to <laughs> Ginny Weasley. <laughs> She's like seven. She's seven, yeah. But it's just a game, so, you know, it's not real. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> How many listeners uh, did yeah. we just lose? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm reading off of... um some of the notes that I was taking while I was playing this game. I only took notes for, like, the first 15 minutes. Yeah, robbery and looking for Jenny's room, because I was looting all of his bookshelves. There is a fucking corpse in the attic, in all capital letters. <laughs> well, they have, they have some pretty serious family secrets, I guess, huh? Yeah. Then I run into human traffickers, and I'm killed by a rat. <laughs> when I meet Ron Weasley, his victory animation looks like he's wanking off. <laughs> that was... That was the last note I took. Okay, but I was telling you the story, which is the book. Except that you go around from place to place, and it's just like walking through Hogwarts endlessly for hours. Hogwarts is like an eight-story building, which, by the way, the stairs don't move, which really pissed me off. It's the coolest thing about Hogwarts is the stairs move. These stairs didn't move. Whatever, we'll blame technology. Do the stairs move? <laughs> Yeah, they move all around. Remember, they even had it in the movie. In the first movie, the stairs, like, turn. And oh, sneak. that yeah, that sounds familiar now. In California, I don't know about where Harry Potter is, but we call those escalators. <laughs> no, no, like, the stairs would physically change configuration, not just, not just go up, you know. 
Anyway, so I, w I, I was ready to be impressed by Hogwarts, because, like, that's the whole point of buying a game in the Harry Potter universe is. So that you can pretend to be in Harry Potter's cool world and see the cool stuff. And for considering the technology, I guess the Hogwarts was, was, was pretty cool the first time. But then they send you to, like, your very first task is, like, go to Gryffindor Commons, which is at the very top. The Slytherin Commons is in the basement for some reason. And so you go up all the stairs, and you see every floor, and you have to look at a map to find the stairs. And so you're looking for the map, and you look for the stairs, and you go up, and you do it again six times, and then you're at the top. And then they'd be like, okay, go to class. So you go to the map, and you find the classroom, and you go down, and then you get lost, and you look at the map, and you find the classroom, and you go to the right floor, and you go to the classroom. <laughs> and the very first thing is, like, herbology class, right? And the teacher's like, okay, transplant these mandrakes. And then the mandrakes run off, and no one can see it. Because they're wearing earmuffs. What? They're wearing earmuffs to block the cry of the mandrake root. Oh, okay. And then all the mandrakes run away. And so I'm, like, trying to tell Hermione, like, listen, I need help with these mandrakes. And she's like, Hermione cannot hear you because she's wearing earmuffs. And she's blinded. And you can't tap her on the shoulder? Apparently not, no. So I, I had to go fight the mandrakes myself. And, of course, I'm still trying to avoid fighting stuff. So you have to fight the mandrakes, and then there's a, a big snail or something right at the end, and you have to kill the snail. You don't even technically kill any of the monsters, they just run away. I realized that about halfway through the game. So none of the monsters die, but right. there's human sex trafficking. <laughs> there's definitely human sex trafficking, yes. <laughs> and so, like, the whole game was like this. It was like, go to this area where there's encounters, which you can fight if you want to, but you shouldn't. Find this thing, and then come back. Or, like, go there, and then go to another place. And then go there. And go to class. And you're walking up and down Hogwarts, like, going from floor to floor. And at the end of every, like, little quest, it would reward you. It'd be like, there's a new card attack combo that you'll never use in the card collector room. So you, like, go to the card collector room, and you get five at once, because you haven't bothered to come back in, like, three quests, and then you never look at the card attack combos because you don't even use that because you don't know how to find the right cards. <laughs> and so you're just, you're just going to class and you're walking up and down Hogwarts. Like, the most of the time that I spent was walking up and down Hogwarts. And it was really, it was really boring. <laughs> Did you ever make it to the giant spider that Daniel posted no. on our Facebook? <laughs> So, the one with nuts for on its chin? <laughs> yeah. Testicle chin. As a gog or whatever. So there's like two big boss fights in the game, and they happen like one right after the other. At the end of the game. So I kept hoping for like a good boss fight, and not just like a whomping willow branch. And I didn't get to them, but I got to the part where they make a polyjuice potion. And then Hermione's cured. And then there's, like, a Valentine's Day party. Ugh. Oh, it's so inane. It's just, like, the most inane events from the book. And you just have to walk through Hogwarts and go there, just trying to get to the next quest, which you're hopelessly underleveled for, by the way. Because you haven't bothered to actually play <laughs> the game that they made for you. Yeah. Maybe this is just my problem. Like, maybe there's a really fun system in there where you use clever tricks to buy money and then you spend the money on a lot of potions? I don't know. Mm. I couldn't figure it out. It didn't appeal to me. And I have no... I, the worst part of it was that I was remembering the story, the Harry Potter story from the book, and I was like, oh yeah, this was kind of clever. Like, J.K. Rowling actually did some clever stuff with this, you know? Like... Mm -hmm. She had interesting characters that were colorful and, like, they had motivations that were clear and made sense. Like, I, I, I was like, I spent four and a half hours playing this game. I could have watched the movie twice. <laughs> I could have read the book all the way through, probably. And then I felt sad, and then I quit, and then I went to play League of Legends. <laughs> so, I don't even know. I give, I give Harry Potter one snake egg out of a whole... Aquarium full of snakes. Not even a phoenix egg, huh? No, snake eggs. Because that's the whole theme of the Chamber of Secrets is the basilisk is a lizard. And Harry Potter can talk to it because he's magic. Spoiler alert. There's a statute of limitations on 
spoilers for <laughs> books that have been out for like 15 years. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I was like, man, this is like some really, it's like a really early Final Fantasy game. And I was like, I don't actually remember the timeline of Final Fantasy. Like, what game were they up to? In 2002, they had been up 12? to... Like, 10. Okay. Final Fantasy 10, I think. So, yeah. It had matured quite a lot from the olden days. <laughs> where the whole, like, the whole great thing about Final Fantasy is that the characters have these superpowers that you either get through your job system, or they just, like, have a special power, and then you're rewarded for using them. You're not punished with magic points. Mm-hmm. Like, in Final Fantasy VII, I don't even remember running out of magic points ever. No, it never happened. Yeah, and it's not supposed to happen, because you're supposed to be casting spells constantly. It's super fun to cast spells and wreck things with powerful spells. When you get a more powerful spell, you shouldn't only be able to cast it one time, and then find out it doesn't even work on bosses, because it's a petrification spell. I got a petrification spell, and I used it one time, and it didn't do anything because it was like an encounter. It was like an important encounter where I would save my uh, special spells for it, and it didn't do anything. It was rigged. It was a duel with Draco Shithead Malfoy. <laughs> I lost because I was underleveled. Or maybe I'm supposed to lose. I don't know. Whatever. It didn't matter because then there's just a snake, and Harry's like, go away, snake. And then everyone knows he's a parcel now. So, Daniel... I hope you're satisfied. <laughs> I put way more work into that game than I think I have into anything else I've reviewed on the show. I had to put it down and come back to it several times because it was irritating me. Appreciate your dedication. Yeah, thanks for uh, playing that so we didn't have to. <laughs> it's all for the fans. Yeah. Well, that's Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Rated M for mature. <laughs> for sex trafficking. <laughs> <laughs> Sex trafficking in little girl's bedroom. They, I couldn't actually find Jenny's bedroom. I don't think they put it in the game. That's because for the because best. they knew that people like you were going to play it and try to. Rap That's her. true. All right. <laughs> That's not what he was gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it for this episode. <laughs> we can all be thankful for that. Uh, I'm a monster. It's all right. Next episode will be out March 1st, right? Are we doing a mid-month February episode? Well, if, if we do, it'll be a surprise. We'll spring it on you last minute. For now, tentatively March 1st with Bravely Default as our focus feature on that one. I'm excited. That's going to be exciting. Until then... If you're already listening to this, know where you found us, but for those <laughs> who haven't, portablepower.popularoutcast.com. Make use of our purple Amazon banner. Make sure you're either in incognito mode or you have cleared your cookies, and then Popular Outcasts get a cut of what you spend on Amazon at no additional cost to you. We're also on Twitter, at portablepowerfm. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash portablepowerpodcast. And you can email us with game requests, like Daniel did today, at portablepowerpodcast at gmail.com. We'll treat your request with the same dignity that we treated Daniel's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's going to be really scared to send us game requests now, right? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Well, the thing is, though, he did. He put a lot of time into it. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it. we, we can't promise that we'll love your game. But we can promise that we will put a lot of effort into it. Yeah, yeah, I put way more effort into it than I would have. Daniel told us that the first couple of hours were slow, so I really like I really charged through. And it wasn't until I read the walkthrough and I realized that I was seventy five percent of the way through the game that I, <laughs> I gave up. Can't blame you. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, and uh, keep, keep in touch. We'll see you next month.
<laughs> you should, all right, when we go back to edit this episode, you should put, like, put a word, like a sound or something over that word. Like, <laughs> unicorn. And try to unicorn her? It's like a slide whistle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something, just something like that.